We're continuing our series. In fact, this is the last uh, sermon, seri- uh, sermon in the series called Commercial Break. And I've been preaching this in the 9 o'clock. Last week you got a taste of it. What was last week's slogan? Do you all remember? Okay, let's do it. Um, one, two, three. Can you hear me now? Right? Okay. You all remembered, I know. But you're a little timid because someone's going to look at you weird. Let's say it one more time. One, two, three. Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me now? Okay, yes, good, all right? Um, we're so, and, and this, so this week we're continuing that, and, and, and the whole premise of this sermon series is centered around the idea that I believe that there are some profound messages in popular slogans, and today is no different. It comes from a, um, a product line of women's beauty products that I frequently uh, have realize I have no idea what they're about, and, uh, but it's L'Oreal, right? And uh, the, the tagline is this, because you're worth it. And everybody, all right, yes. You, you, are you familiar with that one? Because you're worth it, right? It was first introduced in 1973, and this slogan, uh, along with the others uh, that I have uh, kind of stepped into over the last couple weeks, are considered one of the most recognized in advertising slogan uh, in history. So here's the story behind that slogan. In the 1970s, the world of advertising was undergoing some significant changes. Among other things, they were adapting to one of these big, this big change in the societal landscape, particularly in terms of women's rights. And into this arena, L'Oreal's campaign was birthed. And what they did is that they designed their campaign to aim away from presenting beauty products as mere commodities. And they wanted to do, what they wanted to do was to emphasize the personal value and self-worth of women. Now, the campaign was not just a commercial success. It became a cultural touchstone, if you will, that still resonates today. In fact, they are celebrating now their 50th year since that tagline was first introduced, Because You're Worth It. Written by a 23-year-old female copywriter who was working at the advertising agency that Um, L'Oreal had hired. And if you think about it, four simple words, because you're worth it. It's simple, right? And in its simplicity, it did exactly what L'Oreal wanted, turning the focus away from the products that they were selling and towards the individual women using their products. It was not about looking good. It was about feeling valuable and confident in recognizing one's own self-worth. Every time I watch one of those commercials or think about one of those commercials of L'Oreal, inevitably a model would zoom in on a, um, uh, the camera would zoom in on a model who was looking straight into the camera and with confidence say, because you're worth it. Can you see it still in your mind's eye? I know, you guys are too young for this one. Um, but I do remember those, uh, those ads. 
They were powerful words. And they were memorable. And they not only resonate just with women today, but they resonate with all of us. Because deep down inside, we all have this innate desire to feel valued and appreciated, don't we? And even more than this, we all have this innate desire to hear that we are worth it, that to hear that we have value. And this is the tension for us today. If you are not intentionally and regularly tuning in to God's voice and hearing from Him that you have sacred worth, you will look for it someplace else. And not only will you look for it someplace else, you will find a distorted value and worth far from the sacred worth that God has bestowed upon you before you took your first breath. Some people may find it in relationships, relationships with other people, uh, with spouses, children, siblings, friends, seeking to validate who they are, elevate their, their worth, their value. But sacred worth cannot be found there. Others might look into career or achievements, right? Success in the professional realm. Accolades, accumulations, promotions, accomplishments, plaques on the wall. But there's no sacred worth found there either. It may be in our younger generation, social media and public approval, likes, shares, positive comments that all come around to become, that all become a barometer where we measure our self worth in the digital age. But sacred worth cannot be found there. Sacred worth can only come from the one who created you. The one who put his likeness upon you and pursues you. You know, we don't automatically believe that we have worth just because another sees worth or value in us. We have to hear it. We must recognize it. We must hear it. I remember my grandfather saying to my grandmother, Art says to Norma, Art says this, Norma, I told you I loved you when we got married. If anything changes, I'll let you know. Now, I know he was just jesting, right? I, but we need to hear this. It's not just recognize it. We, just, we need to hear it. Parents, our children need to hear that they have sacred worth. That they have value. Isn't it true, husbands, that your wives need to hear that they have worth? That they have value? Where will they go to hear it if they don't hear it from us? And the same is true for us as Christians, as followers. If we don't hear God speak to us that sacred worth, we will find it someplace else. And you know that this message of sacred worth, it is, in my opinion, the message, the story of Scripture. Boiled down, the entire biblical narrative is God's relentless love for you. Let that sink in for just a second. Not only is it 
God's relentless love for you. It is his tireless pursuit of you. From creation to redemption, every act of God resonates with this affirmation. You are of immense sacred worth in his eyes. If someone were to ask God, why do you go to such lengths for John Few? Undoubtedly, you know what he would say? Well, because he finally paid back that 50 bucks he owed me. Because he prayed 30 minutes yesterday, and I really appreciated that. Because he went to worship. No. You know what he's going to say? Because he's worth it. And the same is what he said about you. If anyone would ask God, God, why do you go to such lengths for so-and-so? Because he's worth it. Because she is worth it. And in our passage, what we see here is David kind of living into this message and hearing his worth as he reflects on this. And not only reflects on it, he hears the echo from cre that started from creation and is still reverberating then and it's still reverberating today that we all have sacred value. Look at this passage with me. Psalm 139, just these two verses. If you have your Bible... Open it up. If you open it up right to the center, I bet you you're going to hit Psalms. Pull out a Bible in front of you. Go to Psalm 139, verses 13 and 14. Hear the psalmist. For you, the psalmist is speaking to God. For you, O Lord, formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Fearfully is not fright, it's reverence. I am out of reverence, I am wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it well. Now consider these two verses. David recognizes in 13, David responds in 14. Simple, right? In the, first, in the 13th verse, um, there's, there's so many different words you can zero in on. But you know what I'm going to zero in on the word knit. The word knit. I remember my grandmother um, sitting in the rocking chair, and she would be knitting Afghans after Afghan after Afghan. Actually, she was crocheting. Is there, there's, there is a difference between the two, right? Okay, I have no idea. I think there is. I, I know there is, Okay. So she was crocheting, okay? But I think the same is, through, is the same for knitting. She would knit, and, and she would have this bag of yarn there, and she would be pulling out one piece, and she would go through it. And at the beginning, it looked like nothing, right? But after several weeks, depending on how long it was supposed to be, after months, she would have this afghan done. And you could start to see the intricacy of that that was spent doing it. But there's one thing that I noticed on this. The time that it took. The time that it took to actually plan it out and to actually knit or crochet that afghan together. The metaphor that David uses here of knitting or weaving or crocheting speak to the individual's value. In God's eye. It isn't just that God creates, but he does so with such care and detail. 
much like a craftsman working on a prized piece, or like my friend who loves old cars and he wants to show you his next project as he works in restoring that car. The idea of God knitting the psalmist in the womb, it just underscores, becomes a foundation for the intimate and careful involvement of God in the creation of not just people, because my grandmother could only create one Afghan at a time. It speaks to God's care and deliberation and intention of creating every individual. Suggesting that you and I, we're just not products of chance. I don't hear it that much often in this church, but if you like what I just said, say amen. Amen. We are not products of chance. We are intentionally fashioned by God. And all of this is done behind the scenes before David even recognized it or could even respond it. God is already in motion. And look how David responds here. David responds, he says, I praise you. Why? Because of this care of knitting me together. Because of this time that you are intentionally showing your care and creation of me. I worship you, for I know I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And then David goes from the general, or from the uh, particular to the general. Then he says, wonderful are your works. Do you know what David is actually saying there? He just finished up talking about the particular, his particular body, him being knit together in his mother's womb. Do you know now what he's doing? Is he saying, because this is true, this is going to change the trajectory of how I see the world around me. I have been wonderfully and fearfully made. God has done this, not just for me, but for all of us. This now, in turn, is going to determine how I see the world around me. From fears, to doubts, to joys, about my identity, about where I seek to find value in the world around us. This is so so, fundamentally a part of the narrative of Scripture. It's the thread that is woven beautifully through it. From Adam and Eve sinning to this promise in Genesis 3.15 that there would be one whose heel would crush the head of the serpent through the prophet's to the New Testament, to the life and the ministry of Christ, his death, his resurrection, and the rest of the letters of Paul and James and Peter as they turn back and they look at this thread. You can't help but hear them re- echoing back the, the, the message that has been reverberate, reverberating. We, people, Me, you, we all have sacred worth. 
And do you know what happens if we don't lean into this? Do you know what's at stake? We will always have a distorted view of God's love. If we don't actually lean into and hear, recognize, believe, and embrace our sacred worth that God has bestowed upon us, we will always have a distorted view of God's love. For example, if Christians equate their value with external accomplishments, almost certainly they will start to think that that must be true with their relationship with God. And sooner, more than later, they will struggle with to fully grasp and understand God's unconditional love for them. And they might find that they have to start earning His love, which is exactly the opposite of, this passage, of the gospel message. The good news is good because it's already been done for you and me. They may have a hard time believing that God really is full of grace. I truly believe, as I said last week, we are more, far more influenced by our culture today than we realize. And if we don't actually stop and park for a moment and reflect on God's love and to see ourselves how God sees us, then we will find ourselves always seeing a distorted view of God's love. There's ways that we can get out of this. You, you might be able to actively guard yourself against devaluation. You might, you might actually be looking for those messages in the world around us that are actually trying to devalue who you are. That say your worth is what you have when the game is over. Or your value is what you can offer to somebody else and, and or... Uh, so that you actually receive more. Someone pats you on the back. Recognizing those places that it happen is not necessarily stopping the other person, but actually stopping yourself from going into that place that is so addictive. Pride. So just recognize, maybe you can be actively on guard for this. Another way is, is this, is, and, and this is, there's just two here. You can guard yourself against that devaluation, or, or you can see yourselves through God's eyes. Out of the two, I'll probably focus on that one more. Anna, when she, she's 21 and married, and... Um, you know, there's something about when someone says something and they put their forehead, <laughs> maybe they're frustrated. Right. And anyways, uh, it's wonderful. Yes. Yay. Um, when she, maybe it's just because what I'm about to say is um, when she was in junior high, middle school, that is a difficult time to raise a daughter. We had so much fun that Lisa and I decided to do it again. 
Yeah, we, we, I mean, those, those years are so influential. Where Anna would come home and, and, and it didn't happen all the time, but you, there would be points where she would just share with us and that she didn't fit in or... What she was doing was she was actually living into the labels other people were giving her. And I remember sitting down, Lisa and I sitting down with her one day, and we, we looked her in the eyes and we said, Anna, if you don't remember anything mom and dad say to you, remember this. See yourself first and foremost through the way your mom and dad see you. You have value. You have worth. And whether you believe it or not, you'll probably never meet these kids again. Don't let them set you on a trajectory. How many of us here actually live into the, the labels that other people give us? Wouldn't God be the one who would be sitting you down and saying, now listen to me. If you don't remember anything else I tell you, remember this, few. I want you to see yourself as I see you. Not as the world sees you. This is so important and fundamental when it comes to leaning into the good news. Let me bring this to a close. Do you realize that the phrase, because you're worth it, is actually an answer to a question that we don't ever hear? I mean, Usually when you start a response back or you start a sentence with because, you're actually answering a question. Mom, why can't I go to the party or why can't I go out this front? Because I said so. Now she, she would always say because I said so. But she was answering a question. Think about this for a second. What question was L'Oreal answering with because you're worth it? Maybe women were asking, why should I invest in this product? They would say, because you're worth it. Why should I prior prioritize self-care? Because you're worth it. Why should I stop devaluing myself in the world around me? Because you're worth it. They were addressing the underlying concerns and motivations of their women consumers regarding their products and beauty products. And at a time when many beauty product ads were centered around pleasing others, you should use our products because it'll make your husband love you more. Believe it or not, there are ads out there that said that. L'Oreal took it around the other way and said, no, 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 no. You use our products because it's not about anybody else's because you're worth it. You too. We often grapple with deep questions as Christians. 
even, on, even those who might be on the margins of Christianity, just kind of on the outside looking in, kind of dipping their toe in this. We grapple with these questions about self-worth and value. We grapple with questions about identity and our place in this grand scheme of life. Questions like, why did you create me, God? And the answer is, say it with me, because you're worth it. With all the people in the world, God, do I, why do I really matter? I don't know if I believe you now. God, why do you still love me even with my flaws? Psalm 139 is God's response. And in a sense, he answers your questions with one simple phrase. Four words, because you're worth it. Now, I may not have mentioned your question, but I would imagine sometime some of you uh, now have a question, or sometime we all will come across a question. And when it becomes, when it starts with this, why God? Not just the joys, but in the pains and the sorrow, why does this happen? I'm sending my spirit to comfort you because you're worth it. And if all of this does not convince you that you have sacred worth, then consider this. Billy Graham once said, one of the most he was one of the most influential evangelists of the 20th century. He said this, God proved his love on the cross. And when Christ hung and bled and died, it was God saying to the world, I love you. If all of this in Psalm 139 does not convince you, then maybe you should lean a little bit into this. It is the sacrifice that speaks volumes, and that is the sacrifice of Christ. Jesus paid the price for our sin. We know it well. But I believe, my friends, we know it too much up here. But it has not yet been allowed to become, at those moments, intimate down here. It's the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. It is this one act that screams to the world, you are worth it. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his love for us. And if you need a passage of scripture to settle into here, this, then hear Romans 5, 8 that says, but God shows his love for us in this way, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Do you see the value? Not because we prayed enough, not because we gave enough, not because we served enough that he died. It's because we breathed that actually bestows our worth upon us. And my friends, I believe Genesis to Revelation is a wonderful story, a message of God's love. 
But if you come and argue with me that there was no creation, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. If you want to argue that Jonah was not swallowed by a whale, I'm okay with that. I mean, really, I'm not going to lose sleep. We'll have a great discussion. We'll talk about it. You can buy me coffee. You have a problem with Noah? How did that happen with all those? Do not let those distract you from the one main message of the scriptures. And that's this. There is an empty tomb. And Paul knew it well in 1 Corinthians 15 when he said this. If Christ did not raise from the dead, not if Noah didn't have a boat or Jonah was, none of that. It was Christ raising from the dead, then we are most pitied. Try for a moment. If you're letting all those other things get in your way, just set those aside for one moment and consider the sacrifice that speaks volumes about God's love for you. And if you have never received that, receive it today. Receive his love and say, God, I have no idea what this is and I can't fathom, but I know, I know that you love me and you sent your son to die for me. And to raise, he was raised again to conquer death so I, too, can live. That's the step. That's the step. And for the rest of us, be intentional about putting on the forefront of your mind that you are worth it. Gracious God, I pray that through your spirits, that you would allow this message and your words to become a part of who we are. And if there are folks here, God, who are wrestling with this, maybe uh, for the first time, I pray that you would make them uneasy until they deal with this. And for the rest of us, oh God, I pray that you would allow the power of the Holy Spirit to, remember, to remind us as Romans 8, 16 says, that we are your children and that we have worth. Oh God, just imagine, I, can't just, I can only imagine what that means for us as a community of believers. And if just us, a handful of folks lived into this next week, what that might mean for the community that we live within. All for your glory, oh God, I pray. In your son's precious name. Amen.